0: You're listening to the Together in Literacy podcast, a podcast for educators, families, and advocates that connects the research of reading,
1: dyslexia awareness, and the whole child. We're your hosts, Casey Harrison and Emily Gibbons. As two literacy dyslexia specialists, we've come together to talk about literacy, dyslexia, and the connection to the social-emotional impact that it has on our students, their families, and the educators who serve them. We welcome you to join us on this exciting and educational journey into dyslexia as we come together in literacy. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit us at www.togetherinliteracy.com. Thank you for joining us today. Let's get
0: started. Hello, everyone. Here we are back. We're here with Casey. Hi, Casey. Hi, Emily. We are here for episode 17. And Casey and I were looking at the calendar. And if you've been following us, we're getting close to the end of season one of Together in Literacy podcast. (laughs) And we will have an exciting episode to wrap up after this one. And we're really looking forward to that one, but we're going to have Casey kick off with some
1: feedback. Yes. I love that. We get feedback from actually around the world. This feedback is from, it says, thank you from your South Australia listener. I love that we have people from um, Australia tuning in. So our listener said, I just want to say a thank you. For your time and effort that you've put into the podcast, thank you for igniting further passions and providing listeners with reasons why researching and learning as an educator is important. I recently discovered your podcast and find myself listening to them on my way to and from work. It definitely makes the 42 kilometer drive more enjoyable. Thank you so much. Our listener from South Australia for tuning in and we love hearing feedback from each one of you. So thank you so much for taking the time to tune in with us and spend a little bit of your day. And and we love it. If you
0: (laughs) do leave us some future feedback, we will perhaps share it on a future episode. That's right. Thank you
1: for that. It's the end of the school year here in the States. And we really wanted to kind of talk about what that means for our students. And so for many children, right? The beginning of the school year can bring about a lot of uncertainty, but we also see that happening at the end of the school year. And so many of our students may have feelings of anxiety, or they just may be a little bit more anxious than they are excited about the end of the school year. Some of our students have established really positive routines and relationships that have supported them throughout the year. Other students may have found themselves getting by or struggling to be seen. But either way, change can often trigger stress responses, especially for students who learn differently.
0: And, you know, we've,
1: as you've been listening, this podcast
0: does focus on social emotional learning. And so we certainly want to devote time to that topic. And I want to also stress in this episode today, this may not just be For children with dyslexia or learning challenges, it could really be with anybody. And on a personal level, if Casey and I are speaking to you as two moms, we see this even in our own kids this time of year. Casey and I were having just a personal chat about how, you know, one of my children is really feeling some of the stress. There's end of the year standardized testing that she's just feeling kind of worked up over and having some of these feelings like she doesn't want to go to school and wanting to spend more time with me at home. Can I take a day off?
1: Casey noticed the same thing in your kids, right? I yeah, I do. One of my children, especially my kids all love school, but they have definitely been expressing that they want to, you know, have mommy days or stay home. And it's not that they aren't enjoying school. I don't know. I think there's just some of that uncertainty about finishing up the school year, having a new teacher coming in the fall. And they've been a little bit more grouchy and a little bit shorter with one another I've noticed. Um, So I think, you know, there's just a lot that comes along with it. And I think you know, sometimes our children are not able to express what exactly it is that's bothering them or how they're feeling. And so I think it for us as parents and also as educators, for us to be really mindful of the behaviors and and what they are maybe trying to communicate, because we do know that behavior is communication. And so some students may be able to express their feelings verbally, but others are going to uh, perhaps show us through behaviors, how they're feeling.
0: And just one more personal note and, you know, Casey and I aren't doctors, but just, you know, from mom tips that have helped us, my uh, two of my children have benefited from having a weighted blanket Mm -hmm. and um, making sure that they have a magnesium supplement, because we know that can really help with the stress response when they're feeling upset. One of my twin boys greatly benefited from having those When he was knee deep in remote learning last year, that made a big, big difference. And so using this again with my daughter, really, really, I think is just one more little thing that, that has worked for us, but certainly something that you can try at home, but we're not, you know, advocating it one way or the other. It's just what's worked for us personally.
1: Yeah. And I've, I've done the weighted blankets on the magnesium as well for my kids, especially since with time daylight savings, I'm, I'm down mm. in the South. So the funny part here, and a lot of you might not know, Emily and I have never met in person. Emily is <laughs> on the East coast of the U S and I'm in, in uh, the South we're BFFs on on online, but so down here in the South, it is light until about nine o'clock. And so getting my kids to go to bed and then, you know, they still have to be up really early for school. I've noticed that they're not sleeping as well as, as they need to either. So I know that I'm sure some of that is triggering some of those behaviors as well, but absolutely. And before we have our
0: air conditioners come (laughs) on up here in the Northeast, we hear the birds around 4am. So (laughs) I'm like, okay, I hear you mockingbirds. <laughs> All right, it's still dark out. So yeah, the sleep can kind of feel a little disrupted for sure. We as moms do recognize that things just as the school year goes on, things things change, things evolve. and But to be really cognizant of that in what I call Mayember, because yeah. May is really kind of <laughs> Crazy sometimes when you say May, December. It's like December, except there's no presents, right?
1: (laughs) Right. I have to tell you, I always describe May as you know, when you were little and you were jumping on the trampoline and everyone, like you had fallen down and everyone was jumping and laughing and you're trying to get up and you're just, you can't, that's May. That's how I always feel. Every single May seems to be that, that way for me. Between the spring sports and the school activities and the projects,
0: I mean, we're all feeling it, right? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, so we wanted to use this episode to try and really give you some perspective, things you might notice in your child. We'll talk about that. Yeah. And tips really for what we say finishing strong, I mean, especially if you feel like your child's in sort of the end of the year blues pattern. Right. And then we're going to talk about appropriate summer practice. What are some things that we really feel like are beneficial for children? And mm-hmm. this really is speaking more to children with learning challenges and things like that. Because as we know on this podcast, we we do address that. So let's talk about some things you might be noticing in your child. And this can really span so many ages from our youngest to our high schoolers. Mm-hmm. And they may be feeling the crunch just for different reasons, depending on the expectations, the assignments, things like that, or just things that, you know, different activities that might be coming up towards the end of the year. But we want really want to be mindful about what our kids may be feeling. So some of the things we have, there just might be a lack of motivation. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what? I'm done. I just want to close the door, right? Right. They've worked hard all year long and just don't have that extra push to, to sustain much longer. And oh gosh, we get that. We as adults feel that. So that's one of the things you might be noticing. Are you noticing Mm -hmm. that
1: yeah. I think, you know, some kids may be feeling a little bit burnt out. Mm-hmm. I know, and, you know, I mean, teachers are feeling that, that too, you know, perhaps not as motivated as they were previously that they just may be a little bit burned out.
0: Right. And as we think about it under the lens of dyslexia, we know that the school setting can feel hard. A lot of the time.
1: The other thing I notice, and for us as educators to be mindful of the end of the school year is always packed with a lot of different activities that pop up. And so sometimes our day will be disrupted from its typical routine, which can sometimes be a trigger for students or in addition to having those interruptions, assignments are still due. And so that can also trigger some anxiety with our students. And that can kind of make them feel a little bit like how they did maybe at the beginning of the school year with that anxiety and, and perhaps not feeling that they are getting the accommodations that they need or the extra time that they need to complete assignments. Right, We know at the end of the year, classrooms can be even more disruptive.
0: And so services might be shortened in some ways because there is this presentation or there's this spring concert or something like that. And for children who really thrive on the structure and routine and predictability of the schedule that we provide on a daily basis, that can, as Casey said, definitely be a source of anxiety for kids that maybe aren't sure. Oh, wait a minute. We're not having PE today.
1: Why? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, that's something to, um, if you're a parent or, or a teacher to prep your kids ahead of time, if you know that you have students that are children that really have a hard time with those sudden changes in routine, letting them know like, oh, okay, listen, this is what our week week looks like on Tuesday. We have this on Wednesday. We have this, that has really helped one of my children, especially ever since she was about, I don't know, two, I've had to like every day, let her know what's going to be different because if anything alters her idea of what the routine is, it can be really difficult for her to get back on track. So, right.
0: Yeah. So classroom teachers, you know, want to try and front load as much as possible. And we know that things change, but helping some of those kids navigate, you know, when there is a change okay well this is what we have coming ahead you know this is how things will look tomorrow that just really really helps so some other things you might be noticing not wanting to go to school and you know i'm feeling this even with my own kids they see the light at the end of the tunnel right they they can <laughs> almost smell the boogie boards they are ready <laughs> to head out to the beach and who can blame them we here in yes. new england we love our beaches and there's maybe some end of the year testing or big projects or written reports and things like that, that just
1: really feel like everything feels hard. Yeah. So we have the avoidance. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes that could even come from not necessarily the academic pieces, but maybe not knowing how to say goodbye to their friends for the summer or the worry or feeling like they're going to miss their friends over the break and also trigger some of those behaviors. There's some things you might
0: also see six symptoms or having like a you know a case of the Mondays. When I <laughs> have a headache or a tummy ache. That is very, very common. I think headaches, especially with high schoolers, and that is something we really want to be paying attention to. And it's tough because high schoolers like to stay up late. Mm-hmm. And high schoolers also want to get a lot of sleep in the morning, right? but really keeping an eye on what do they have upcoming? What do they have to complete to finish off a semester or what final do they need to prepare for? That's coming down the road. You know, that, that those finals are no joke. So you may be experiencing that and that might just feel like, Oh gosh, it feels like we're back in September or or August when school started. Now it's starting Mm -hmm. all over again these are all normal feelings as we know, change is about to come. Yeah, And I had worked in a a city beside Boston for several years when I was first teaching and children who really loved the structure and routine and predictability of the school setting. I would see some behaviors sort of sparking up even more as the school year was dying down because perhaps they just They didn't have the same kind of predictability at home. And that's something to be really mindful of when kids start acting out in school and it's the end of the year, but they aren't really quite able to communicate that, which is so, so common. And then that may be one of the reasons why they're anticipating Maybe they don't have the privilege or or advantage of being able to go to summer camps, like some other students might. So just being aware, I think of Mm -hmm. that. And so we were talking about feeling a little more grouchy. (laughs) And, but I think the biggest thing is really kids might have those feelings of feeling grouchy or irritable, but they can't quite figure out how to put that into words to explain to us. Yeah. So
1: And I agree. And I think, you know, that kind of just leads us into understanding that while some students may be really excited for school to be over, other students may actually feel really sad about that. So not everyone is excited about school starting and not everyone's excited about school ending. So I think some of the things, you know, that we can do on our part in the school system, you know, is just to be kind of mindful of how we're wrapping up our our end of the school year, when we're thinking about like, like the number of assignments and things like that. But then also when we're thinking about like awards being given, and this is probably speaking more to students with dyslexia or students who have learning differences to just be very mindful when we're giving out awards that perhaps are focusing on students' strengths and not just solely grades and academics, but really highlighting that we've, that we're honoring each child's strengths and and journey that they've, that they've had with us, um, over the school year.
0: Absolutely. You know, this is a good time in
1: your morning meetings,
0: classroom teachers, if you have ever had the discussion about what it means to have mixed feelings.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And that's a really great thing to communicate to kids. You can feel two different things at the same time. You can feel really happy that summer is about to start, but you can also feel sad because you have to say goodbye to your friends and your teacher that you might enjoy. So you can talk about strategies when you're having those mixed feelings. How do you tell people, well, I'm feeling this, but I'm also feeling this. Mm -hmm. And um, perhaps drawing pictures about it, you know, taking time to have them express, you know, through art or writing it in a journal or just having conversations in morning meetings about what it means to have those mixed feelings and what to do, I think is always just so, so helpful. kids. I love that discussion with kids. It's Um, powerful.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I have a lot of mixed feelings, a lot of different (laughs) things. in Life. (laughs) Okay, so those are some of the things you might be noticing in your own kids or your your students. But let's talk about some things. So, or some tips for finishing strong. So we're talking about beating the end of the year blues. If you're feeling Mm -hmm. like, okay, my kids sort of stuck in this rut. The school year is about to end. They've got to complete this project. They've got to pass in this report and they just don't want to do it. Or they're just feeling really grouchy or or irritable, not getting enough sleep. How can we finish strong? I see this question come up quite a bit in a lot of dyslexia groups, Casey. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of parents are feeling it. And I know this year, the 2021, 2022 school year has been challenging for all of us, not just kids, but for educators
1: and families we know. So let's talk about some of the things we can do. I would say that the number one thing for both parents and teachers to do is to really tune into the kids and tune into their triggers so that we We're recognizing what that behavior is communicating so that we can respond appropriately.
0: You know, some of the things we know, the biggest trigger, if the kid is hungry (laughs) right (laughs) there, just not getting those basic needs met that's going to be just one of the simple things is are they hungry or have they gotten enough sleep or is the project that you've just assigned really feeling like there are so many steps and parts and they don't know how or where to begin so being able to tune in to your own child so when they get maybe directions sent home or a schedule for upcoming events sent home have a discussion about that or, you know, mark the calendar together so that K- Casey, I don't know about your kitchen, but we still have a big old fashioned wall calendar mm-hmm. because my kids need to see what's going on. And we write it down there. I, I mean, sure. We have all our Google calendars or, or whatever system or whatever app you have on your phone, but having that wall calendar in your kitchen is
1: still so, so helpful. I agree. And I think, you know, when we remember that a great deal of our students also have executive function and and all children, I mean, our executive Mm -hmm. function system doesn't finished developing until at 23, 24 years of age. So yeah. having, having systems in place that can help alleviate some of the anxiety that comes along with the end of the school year, all those assignments, finals, projects that are due presentations, even things like a musical that they're in or fundraiser, all of these different things that, that come at the end of the year can be really stressful. And so helping kids and the family stay on task and stay on top of things is really beneficial. So setting in place those calendars, like Emily said, can be especially helpful for our children.
0: Yeah. You know, last year may was just for whatever reason, kind of, kind of crazy. And so I had gotten the the cozy app, the C O Z I use mm-hmm. that app. No. And so it would alert me okay, today, so so is a baseball game. Okay. Uh, this one's got occupational therapy on this day and this one's got a dentist appointment. And that was really, really helpful for me because you could color code and assign who needed to see the notification, like my husband or whatever, but having that color coded calendar for all the kids in the kitchen, sort of old school, but the kids really benefit. And you want to really listen about more about executive function. Definitely go back and listen. I know we refer back to this one, that episode with Dr. Erica Warren, we mm-hmm. um, talked a little bit about that. Then yeah. so that was that was really helpful. But I think also making it known to your school adjustment counselor and or a therapist that, okay, this is what's going on right now at home. My child doesn't want to go to school, or my child really has no motivation to complete this assignment, and it has to be passed in in a week. Please, is what can I do? So reach out. Nobody has to go this alone. So really having your village and that means your classroom teacher, making them aware school adjustment counselor and or a therapist. If there's a trusted relative outside of you in our house, we have Nana, thank goodness. So somebody, how we can rally around and provide some additional support, but letting people know like, okay, this is kind of a tough time right now. We're just going to really be mindful of that, be patient, help them break down tasks. We got to get things done and and lots and lots of praise when they do. Absolutely. And we had talked about being mindful of those end of the year awards. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't just have to focus on the academics or, you know, the perfect attendance, things like that.
1: And then when we talk a lot, Parents and teachers will talk a lot about, you know, the summer slide and and what does that mean? And and there is sometimes regression, right? We want to make sure that we're maintaining the gains that have been made over the school year during the summertime, but also be mindful of, of what that may look like. So for some students that may look like continuing with private therapy sessions or, you know, sessions with a qualified instructor and then for other students, you know, based on their needs or on their progress, some kids may benefit from going to less sessions or to even taking maybe a mini break. Because there's some other activities that, that we can do and we can recommend for parents to do um, at home to to kind of keep learning going, but in perhaps a little bit more of a relaxed manner. And so Emily and I come up with just some different activities that we do with our own children and with our students that we thought um, are easy to put into place. So, you know, it's always fun to bring summer into or learning into summer. Right. And so if you spend a day at the beach, right, there's, you can practice writing in the sand. You students can practice, you know, letter writing. I know, I think all, everyone likes to go write in the sand with with a stick. Yeah. You can even do things like have students make Elkonen boxes or sound boxes and hop through the sounds of a word on the beach. I mean, there's a lot of different things that we can do to make learning engaging and fun over the summer. So, right.
0: That's one, you know, and if you aren't near a beach or a lake or a pond, even just simple hopscotch drawing with some sidewalk chalk and putting letters in those boxes and having them Mm -hmm. hop through. That's one thing or popping bubbles writing words in, in sidewalk chalk and popping them with, you know, a bubble on top of the word, things like that, using very simple, mm-hmm.
1: inexpensive things. Kids really, really love.
0: Yeah.
1: I've um, even done it where my kids, we made word matrixes on the driveway with chalk, right. And nice. we built, like with roots. And then we added our prefixes and we added our, our suffixes and they would hop through and build and create bigger words that way. So there's a whole lot. It doesn't just have to be, you know, just letters. So you can really do the whole gamut of all of the different skills. Absolutely. uh, For our students. There are some different shows that you can look up like on
0: YouTube or that may also have apps as well, like Sounder and Friends. And it was great for phonemic awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, They're new. They have a YouTube station. I believe they also have a really nice app you can check out that's new. I don't know about the next one. Casey, my, to talk about that.
1: So Wally Kazam is on Nick Jr. And that has been a favorite with all of my own children. The sounds that they say are are done really well. It's great on building some early letter sound connections and building of words in a fun little way. So Wally Kazam is a good little show to, to do as well. And then my, my own children, they love the who was show. And I, I put that one in there because I think it's really important for our kids to continue to build background knowledge. And we know, you know, as, as our students are, are reading, if you've read, you know, the knowledge gap and all of this, that, that providing our students with more information about things that they're going to be reading later on is really powerful. So the who was show is a great, a great show for that. Yes. And one
0: site that I've looked at over the years
1: for particularly for
0: curious andor precocious learners is Wonderopolis. And so we have one of these kiddos who just has to know and find out the reason why they're just so curious. They have lots of questions. Love these kids. Going on wonderopolis to research is a wonderful website. They may have a wondering of the day, but also some more deep questions they can explore. And just once again, building background knowledge, as Casey was saying, summer is a great time for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just, you know, maybe for visiting a local museum, or going, you know, in nature hikes and things like that, but also using the technology too, if it's appropriate and kid friendly for sure.
1: Yeah. And, um, and one yeah. thing I do recommend is, you know, if, if our children are sitting down and watching a show or something is, is if we can sit and watch it with them so that we can engage in conversations and build that vocabulary and help them make connections to other learning that they, that they have, um, is really powerful. Right. Absolutely. We also talk about, you know, the library is an amazing
0: resource in the summertime. Public Mm -hmm. libraries are there really to assist families, particularly when schools are out with their summer reading and also some incentivized programs. So our public library always has some incentives for coming in and, and logging the books that they read um, they one summer the public library had little keychains or bracelets that they could build. So when they finish certain books, come in and get like some cool glow-in-the-dark beads or sports beads, things like that, and sort of build this keychain or this lanyard throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. So the library is just such an amazing and free resource. Please utilize your public library as much as possible. And if you see or if you have books in mind that you want the public library to have talk to the children's librarian
1: they always are looking for suggestions absolutely absolutely and and i think another great thing to do to kind of build that family time in the summer is to have a family book club and Mm -hmm. so you could choose a book to read either that's a paperback book or an audio book and to sit down and and listen to a little bit or read a little bit each day and have some conversations around that that's a really lovely way to to spend some time in the summer Yes. I had chosen uh, Charlotte's Web last summer and I got
0: the one in large print so that my kids could follow along with me. And we, that's what we read last summer. I read it to them. And then as a special treat, we all got to watch the movie, but I'm partial to the little <laughs> cartoon version because I still remember all the lyrics to the songs and yes. I do love those songs <laughs>
1: and one. my kids <laughs> did too I'm like yes oh, I feel like a kid again so yeah I remember it when it came out yeah
0: <laughs> so good oh my gosh all right so then also as always our kids particularly our, our friends with dyslexia we want to make sure they have access to audiobooks Mm-hmm. So yes. whether you have a subscription, whether you need to talk to your public school, from your special ed department or your public library, please try your best to have a time for them to have access to audiobooks, and this can count as their summer reading. Yes. So definitely see and I'll look into that, and certainly reach out to Casey and I if you're wondering, like how you know what are some good suggestions for audiobooks or yeah. subscriptions. I-
1: Yeah, and I I think, you know, audiobooks sometimes may be misunderstood. I think it's really important to understand that audiobooks are really providing a bridge to higher level reading than what our children maybe can access on their own. And so What audiobooks do is they're providing them an opportunity to read grade level or above books where they have more access to higher level vocabulary, higher level, you know, story structure. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't reading on their own either. So we really want to be kind of closing the gap as we're as we're addressing those two. But audiobooks are a fantastic tool for our students to be able to read books at a higher level. Yeah. And they all have access to higher level
0: vocabulary and more Mm -hmm. complex plots and comprehension that they may not be able to read independently, but could follow along and listen at the same time.
1: So, and don't forget, you can also play one in the car on car trips. I was going to say, and car trips are a great, a great time to play different games for sound. So my children and I, we play I spy. So I'll, I will say, you know, I have a, a pre-K four and then I have students and my kids are in third grade. And so I'll play different games with them based on where they're at. So I will say for my little one, okay, I spy a t r e and she's like tree. And I'm like, yes, you know, and then so for my older kids, I'll work on like morphology and things like that. But so we play different games like that. So that we can really weave learning into small spaces without stress. It's fun, it's light, it it's just a few minutes in the car, but We've done some different activities. So,
0: and so with my older kids, we'll do, you know, pig Latin,
1: which is really
0: (laughs) great advanced phonemic awareness (laughs) and kind of funny. Um, My husband kind of kicked that off. But for my kindergartner, we may do like, hey, my name is Annabelle. My, you know, husband's name is Al. And, and, you know, we live in Alabama. We like apples. So, like all the (laughs) words that start like that nice alliterative task. For talking about words that begin with a particular letter, he loves. And yes, we have to go through the whole alphabet, so that's good for a long time. So, I love it. <laughs> yeah, and so we talk about, as we know, daily reading. It's you know the twenty minutes a day. Casey, how how critical is this? So important.
1: It um, is. You, and I think you know, remembering that audiobooks can count towards that twenty minutes a day. But really, when we're reading that twenty minutes a day, it's providing us our children who read 20 minutes a day are provided with 1.8 million words of text in a year. Okay. And so you can go back and listen to the episodes that Emily, and I talked about with the Matthew effect, where it's really showing, right. That the rich get richer and the poor get poor in terms of literacy, meaning that, right. That vocabulary for children that are reading um, books, 20 minutes a day, their vocabulary is expanding. And if we're not reading 20 minutes a day, we are our our vocabulary is either maintaining or, or just, you know, we're staying at that basic level. So we really want to have students have that exposure of the 20 minutes a day of reading so that they are having vocabulary as part of their daily learning.
0: Right. And keep in mind that 20 minutes a day, if you're trying to beat the heat in the summertime,
1: go to the library. It's air
0: conditioned. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a great spot on a super hot day to cool down for just a little while and have some relaxation. You know, they have comfortable seating. Yeah. (laughs) And a little reward after for, you know, reading so many minutes, certainly I think supports uh, an ice cream treat after.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, when you're, when we're reading, you know, if we did like the family reading book, It provides us with an opportunity to do indirect and direct conversations about vocabulary, which is so important. So our students, you know, our children, we want them to have this exposure to vocabulary and some of it will be indirect where they'll hear it within the context of a story and have an understanding of what it is. And then there's going to be vocabulary words that you're going to want to directly talk about and and teach to your children, whether that's in text or if it's in, you know, if they're learning about some kind of a new activity that they're really fascinated with and they need to learn the terms but you know there's there's always opportunities to be building that vocabulary.
0: Yeah, I think it's you know having those conversations with kids I find in particular with my own children talk a lot about words having multiple meanings. Mm -hmm. I was just having a conversation about the word trap trap could be a noun, a verb or an adjective. (laughs) So, and it did, you know, depending on the context of where it is. So really the power of talking about how words have multiple meanings is so, so helpful for kids um, as they're building their vocabulary skills.
1: Yeah. And, and since we're on vocabulary, another fun game is categories. You know, you can have students, you can have your children either write it down if they're ready to do that, or you can play where you just have them name how many, how many things can they name in a certain category. And so, um, categories is another great way to, to work on that vocabulary and that, um, understanding of how words are connected. You can do just word of the day. Mm-hmm. For, and you can find websites that are appropriate for
0: children displaying a word of the day even just have kids make a little poster and hang one up every day and draw a picture to go along with it pictures to support what the word of the day is that's powerful give you know, take turns okay today you know you're, you're this is your word okay draw a picture of it or think about how you can use it in a sentence think mm-hmm. about a, and we were talking about like synonyms or antonyms any kind of vocabulary infusion in small doses can go a long way. And of course the utility will increase as mm-hmm. you expose them to more and more higher level vocabulary. They'll be using them um, in, their, in their own reading and their, own, well, when they read, they'll be able to recognize them, but also use them in their writing.
1: Yeah. And, and that's so important because, you know, oral language vocabulary is what, if, if we have a word in our, phonological lexicon, if if it's something that we've heard, right. And we have the understanding, the meaning linked to it. When we come across it in print, we've already made those connections and it just solidifies how it's then spelled links to how we pronounce the word, how we use the word, what it means. So building that oral vocabulary is, is really important.
0: Yeah. Yep. And then we were talking about some writing. So if you're trying to just without making it look like here's a packet, some authentic writing experiences like making comic books for instance making little graphic novels making a travel journal Mm -hmm. so if you you know took a trip to a grandparent's house maybe it was a long journey and giving them a little paper journal from the dollar store and um, having them glue things in draw pictures illustrate write about what happened your favorite maybe there was a, a ticket to a water park and you want to glue that in and write about it. So it ends up being like a little bit of a scrapbook, just Mm -hmm. of summer memories. And that's something they can bring back to school to show their teacher and look back on it fondly. During the pandemic, we got little Fuji instant cameras that printed out little pictures. And yeah, you know what? The The photo quality was not that fabulous, but my kids just loved it. And we would take it with us on hikes and things. And then, you know, you can put that in a little travel journal and then and, and tape it in and, and um and write about it. So all those things, I think, where you're capturing
1: memories and traditions with kids go a long way. Absolutely. Yeah. My kids do a travel journal every, every time we take a little trip and they love it. It's just a little scrapbook. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a great idea. We're going to try that this summer for sure. And then I think the last thing I would say, Emily, is that just to provide, um, you know, I know that there are so many electronic options out there for, you know, books and, and apps and they're fabulous. I also recommend providing a good mix of paper books because there is research about how the brain is, is taking in information and and reading and things like that. And we can maybe talk about that in another episode, but paper books have a different sensory and a different way of inputting the information than reading on electronics. So kind of being mindful of, of how we're providing different opportunities for our students.
0: Right. And I believe Mary, Dr. Marianne Wolf uh, Mm -hmm. described that in reader come home in that book. So for sure, I mean, unfortunately, when we read online, we tend to become more skim readers mm-hmm. instead of really looking um, and reading the whole page as if you were to have a, the actual paper copy in your hands. One thing I'd just like to wrap up that Casey and I were talking about is for some kids, yes, they, they may benefit from having that support of private sessions this summer or extended school mm-hmm. year. But I think we want to be really careful about the time that children have to balance out their own interests and talents and passions with also having to have any kind of extended school year or private tutoring. It is appropriate in certain circumstances to take shorter breaks, whether that be lesser sessions or taking a portion of the summer off and continuing on when the new school year comes. Yes. Uh, that will be a personal decision based on child by child, but I think it's important to really provide a balance. I agree. Yes, I absolutely agree. But that'll be a conversation you can have you know, with your child's teacher, with your child's tutor. If you do have one and choosing really what fits best for your family and listening to your own gut instincts as a caregiver for sure. So, we really hope that this episode has given you just a whole bunch of things to consider. My goodness. <laughs> so, we had gone over once again at the beginning, we were talking about some of the things you might be noticing you, in your child as the school year wraps up, how behavior is communications. We really want to tune into those behaviors. What is your child trying to tell you through those behaviors? And then appropriate summer practice. there have been lots of tips there. So you may want to listen to this episode more than once, Maybe write a few <laughs> things down. Sometimes that's helpful when you listen to a podcast episode, make a little list of some things to ask or to look into. And certainly you can reach out to us at support at togetherinliteracy.com. The show notes and our blog posts will be on the website, www.togetherinliteracy.com. Um, if it does take us a little bit of time to get back to you, please, uh, we appreciate your patience. We will do, we will get back to you though, and we will see you next time. Thank All you right.
1: so much, everyone. Thanks everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Together in Literacy podcast today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a positive review and subscribe to the podcast. Each comment means a great deal to us. And if you
0: have any questions for us that you would like answered on the Together in Literacy podcast, please contact us at support at
1: togetherinliteracy.com. Be sure to visit the website, www.togetherinliteracy.com, for show notes, downloads, and goodies. Thank you for helping us spread the word
0: about the Together in Literacy podcast. We'll see you next time.